Welcome to Frame by Frame. Ah, <laughs> uh, you did it! I did it! There was a moment of silence on our side because I was going to say it, and then I thought, I'm like, how am I going to say it? How do I say it? Yeah, it's, it's really to difficult it. to start a podcast for some reason. Yeah, it's very hard to say I, the I words. find the beginning really difficult, the middle is really hard, and then the end is just impossible. You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? No funny how. I mean, funny. I'm Peter Vink. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do you remember way, way back in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy when we actually had to leave leave the podcast by pretending we were in a rocket ship? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Or 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 previous to that, I think you had to had to storm out. Yeah, because <laughs> we just didn't have. No, I think we end them a lot better now. We're back in the room. Back in the room, yeah. as as it were, and uh, we've actually got internet, computers, um, iPads. We can actually look up names. Yep. Um, we probably don't need to this time. Well, hopefully. yeah. To, well, I don't, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Where <laughs> I forget the name of my dad or something like that, it always <laughs> yeah. happens. So today we thought we'd have a talk about comedians, really, didn't we? Yeah, comedians. Um, it's kind of starting off, starting the ball rolling on on something that we call our um, our uh, comedy, yeah, com- stand up comedy um, series. Yeah, of, that's of what we're podcast. calling it. <laughs> <laughs> our exciting sort of look sort at sort of look at stand up kind of comedians we like. Open brackets, ones we don't like, close brackets, full stop. Catchy title. I'm so good at those catchy titles. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Makes me wonder why this hasn't caught on quicker. Oh, I'm I'm amazed that this this podcast is actually called Frame by Frame. I mean, it it could have been called... Uh, the podcast about films that we might like and something we don't like, and, and those yeah. films that we really think that you should watch should be stuff by stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, but yeah, we we, we want to be able to explore, and plus, um, Andy and I have been talking about this this idea that we're going to write our own set. Yeah, we're going to try our hand at a little bit of stand up, but uh, in the fourth. Uh, part of this podcast series of the stand-up, <laughs> the stand-up. <laughs> then we're actually going to be lo- looking for a venue uh, to perform yes in front of real people yes do you not know that we're going to do that I did know we were going to do that I'm still scared you're still scared yeah because there are open mic nights everywhere in Manchester and um, and there, there are some that call for comedy and mm. some that call for something that might be comedy. The thing I'm more nervous about is the mine would not be for the audience. No, it, it wouldn't be for anybody <laughs> at all, living <laughs> or dead. No, it, it wouldn't be like 
set up joke, set up joke. It'd be stories. Yeah, and and I I'm scared we'll get up at a comedy club somewhere and there's a hen do going on. Uh, I will die. <laughs> I will do it because they said we're going to do it, and I think didn't we say we're going to try and get them a charity? Do yeah, for charity. We'll, we'll try and get some sort of charity involved and see if we can get some some support from the from our certain corners of the world. Well, um, we certainly don't get it off our friends on Facebook. That's for sure. Well, maybe this will be the turn because I do know a couple. I do know a couple of people who who might support us and, and show a bit of support because we're trying something that's on their turf, and I'd like to think that they would be interested in that and supporting mm. that, and especially if there is a cause to it. I'd like to be able to raise a bit of money for it because yeah. because we're. we're there's no point in putting yourself out on a limb and doing something that you're terrified of without actually um, reaching out to people and getting something back for somebody that that's in dire need. Yeah. So we'll, we're still yet to identify that um, cause. But um, So I thought we'd have a little discussion about stand-ups. Stand-ups, and uh, for this one, we thought we'd, we'd focus on the British. Yeah, British stand-up scene. Yeah, stand-up scene. It's funny what you said about uh, you know being standing there doing stand-up and there's a Hindu because that's kind of all you hear on, on when you listen to Mark Maron's podcast. It's the one thing that most comedians seem to fear the most. Yeah, is having that kind of a crowd because you know there's something there. scary about a group of women who were drinking a lot who aren't really there to see your show. No, and the more inebriated they'll get, the less inhibitions they'll have, and the less they'll worry about having a good go at you. Um, which is not fine. I think I could deal with a heckler, but not a bunch of women hecklers because women scare me. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared of two things: snakes and women. I'm scared <laughs> of three things: snakes, women, and snake women. Medu- I would have had not. This is material, isn't it? Medu- I, I would. Medusa would have just. I would have lost Flaw it. Me. Yeah, I would. Have, I would have turned to stone before she even looked at me. I like a challenge. <laughs> I, I'd take see, you can, <laughs> see with Medusa if you bent her over you're fine <laughs> or if the snake's looking at you would that make you because the, the snakes are quite long yeah. so it might be intimidating yeah, well, I just want to tell you Medusa that my penis isn't quite as big as the snakes in your head is that okay I don't know I don't, I don't want to have anything snapping at my balls other than <laughs> yeah other than what? <laughs> what, what what do you like snapping at your balls it's a sentence I wish I never started. Yeah. And yeah. Do you, do you like things happening at your balls? Do you get clothes plagues and just pretend they're small crocodiles? <laughs> oh, this is not going to look well on me. <laughs> it's not going to look good at all. Um, yeah. So we're doing this. British comedians. British comedians. And that, is that the oven timer? Back to comedy, yeah. So um... yeah, one of my favourite comedians, uh, Stuart Lee, he left. He um, he did uh, some TV work, obviously. Um, he, did he, look... he left you. He left me, bastard. He was a stand-up comedian, and then he stopped doing. Yeah, because he, like I say, he, he was always doing stand-up, but he had his TV work. He did Fist of Fun with uh, Richard Herring, and then he did This Morning with Richard Not Judy. Fist of Fun. Not like that. It was like um, just it was just like sketches, like and Fist of Fury, skills. kind of play on words. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Got you. <clears throat> But this morning with Richard Not Judy was amazing. It was on like I think one o'clock in the afternoon on the Sunday, and the stuff they got away with was incredible. 
You mentioned, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, there's you could you could tell they were swearing all the time, and then you know, like Richard would say cock, you know, and then there's like you know I meant cock the bird, get over it kind of thing, but they were they were swearing all the time, and there's a, there's a context you can get away with. Yeah, yeah. Ofcom probably but, would see it differently, but well, they said the reason they think they got away with it is because none of the BBC were taking them seriously. They were yeah, just like, oh, yeah. it's on, fine, people watch it, never mind. But there was a thing on it called Histor's Eye. Have you ever seen it? Those are the two birds? Yeah. Yep. And I honestly think that Pliny is just the funniest character. Well, one of the funniest characters I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, hello children, it's me, Histor, Sky TV's one-eyed magic pirate history crow, and welcome to Histor's Eye, all hands on deck. What are you doing down there, Pliny? You told me to put my hands on the deck, Histor. Get up here, you nautical bird. Uh-huh, bird, he said bird. All hands. All hands. On deck. On the egg. Is <laughs> an egg. Is a sailor turn. Turn like a bird, the turn. Calling. Call like a bird, call, call, wing like a wing bird. Everyone. Agree hen. To action. action. Egg hen. Egg, he said egg. And in any case. Hen, he cakes. You don't have any hands. Hens. You're a bird. A bird like a bird, it's still a good joke. Anyway, what's the news? Tell me, hearty pirate crow. Uh, crow, he said crow. You may have seen on the grown up news. Grown up news. Egg was that many people many eggs. are calling for the drug the cannabis. Egg, egg, cannot, cannot is French for duck. <laughs> to be made legal, eagle like an eagle. But what is cannot beak, Histor? To find the answer the to that, sir. we must go all the way back, back like a bird's back. The 1967. 67. Egg. Come with me now, egg Pliny. With me now. As the crow flies, As the egg eggs. <laughs> what place is this, Histor? This is the Woodstock Festival, where cannabis was invented. Mmm. <laughs> this cannabis is delicious. Yes, far out. I'm feeling really happy. <laughs> Look at those crows. It looks like they're talking. About us. It seems like Canard Beat is a good thing, Histor. It has made those ladies really happy. Let's <laughs> go forward in time, just two short hours. Ah, help! I'm mad. There's bees coming out of my face. <laughs> just one sip of cannabis takes you down the irreversible road to madness and death. <laughs> So, I hope you see now, Pliny, that cannabis is evil and must remain illegal. Ill? Eagle? Like an eagle. He must have eaten some canard beak. But what about those people, Histor, who use canard beak for pain relief from multiple sclerosis and arthritis? The truth is, cannabis causes multiple sclerosis and arthritis and all other diseases. You're much safer with a nice cigarette and a bottle of rum. Bye-bye, children. Yoke-ho-ho. Yoke-ho-ho? He said yoke like an egg. I I just said egg. Egg! Egg! 
all he does is egg puns. Eggs. <laughs> That's it. And it's so amazing. Um, they did two seasons of that and then basically wasn't recommissioned. So Stu just went into stand-up and it just wasn't working. He has his own style of doing it, which is very repetitive. It's kind of a lot of people say it's like anti-comedy because he'll tell a joke and then he'll explain to the audience why they should have laughed when they didn't. And the, him explaining the joke is funnier than the actual joke. It's incredibly clever and brave way it's meta. to work. It's like meta comedy. It's um... yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, but because it didn't work. He uh, he just quit. He stopped it, and he ended up making. Um, he ended up co-writing, directing Jerry Springer the opera. That's right. You, you mentioned that, yes, and um, find that very uh, disturbing in a way. <laughs> why would you? I don't know. Just because Jerry Springer, but as a subject matter, like Jeremy <laughs> Kyle as a subject matter, it just seemed. It's not know, really about that, though. It's it was about, about the, so many other things, and yeah. uh, one part of it they sort of insinuate that Jesus Christ is gay. Which led to them having to stop the opera. Um, he lost all the money they put into it. They lost. And he had to go into hiding. And the producer had to go into hiding because 30,000 right-wing Christians were basically after them. And uh, you see, That is more interesting than the actual mu- uh, the musical itself. Well, I've, got to say, I've not seen it. I need to see it. I've got no, a good friend of mine who should be practicing guitar right now, but probably isn't. She's seen it and she says it's really good. Yeah. And I trust her opinion. So, um, <clears throat> but the show, his first stand up show after that was called um, 90s Comedian. And I think it's the best stand up I've ever seen. Do, do, you, do you think that. that... The one good thing that, that that you can say about Stuart Lee is that by going away and coming back, that he's able to. It's like a writer who goes away from writing, experiences a bit of life, comes back. Maybe that whole thing with Jerry Springer just just gave him a different perspective. I think that, in one respect, um, <clears throat> and another respect, I think it was all the experience he'd had by being threatened. Yeah, and he sort of had a point to make, and the point is, is if you think you can, if you can um, try and stop freedom of speech, stop what someone's saying. Well, I said to her, well, three things, mother. Firstly, to make the point that a symbol, be it an icon or a flag or whatever, is only as worthy of respect as the values of the people that appropriate it. Secondly, that if a symbol goes out into the world into places where it's perhaps not understood or wanted or valued you shouldn't be too upset if it then takes on a shape you don't recognize as your own and thirdly that if you attempt to apply limits to freedom of expression either through legislation or intimidation or threats what will then happen is that reasonable people often against their own better judgment will feel obliged to test those limits you better believe he's going to come back with something a lot worse than that yeah. And he does in this show. I mean, it it, it ends with this um, this sketch um, of him. He, he he retreated to his mum's village, and um, he kept going to this pub, and they got him hammered. And as he's walking down the road, um, he sees Jesus, and um, Jesus helps him home. And um, it, it's really funny. I'm just telling the narrative story. 
and as he gets home he feels sick so he throws up he runs to his toilet this bathroom he throws up everywhere then he throws up in the toilet the toilet's full up with sick and then he throws up in the sink the sink's full up with sick and it gets bad and he closes his eyes thinking around there's no more sick and he feels sick again and he opens his eyes and Jesus is next to him smiling and pointing to his open mouth and he's like no I can't possibly do this then I opened my eyes and I looked down and on my left on the floor kneeling down smiling looking up at me was Jesus (laughs) and he was pointing at his open mouth (laughs) as if what he wanted was for me to vomit into the open mouth of Christ and I looked down and I thought this can't be right but he was pointing and laughing and smiling and encouraging me and then I remembered he did have some history of sacrifice so against against my better judgment at his apparent insistence I did it I vomited into the open mouth of Christ until the mouth of Christ was overflowing with my sick and then he closes his eyes and he feels like he's going to be sick again so he opens his eyes again and Jesus is crouched down doing a sort of handstand and splaying open his anus his things are relaxed yeah so basically for him to throw up into the the gaping anus of Christ is the way he puts it and then because he still feels like he needs another sick he seems to be sick he thinks oh you know lads when you're when there's a bit of poo on the back of the bowl of the sink uh, of the toilet and you think oh I'll, I'll hold that off with with a pee that's my that's my cleaning done for the week so he then pees into the anus of Christ so all the sick foams out and then throws up in it again for one final time it's about as shocking imagery as you're going to get isn't it uh yeah and it, it, uh, and I but think can you kind of see his point because he has the point then that yeah, his that mum is... walks in and yeah. sees it and the gag is his mum goes she looks at the sick in the toilet she looks at the sick in the sink she looks at the Jesus Christ she looks at the sick of the floor and then she turns to him and says have you been sick you know and that's, that's kind of the gag but um, <clears throat> you can <laughs> you can sort of see that he'd had this experience where everyone's telling him what you can or cannot say and basically trying to take him they took tried to take him to court for blasphemy Mm-hmm. so he's sort of come back he's retaliated with this you know and it's a beautiful thing and I'm not, I'm only telling the narrative because I could not oh yeah I totally, could not say, totally I understand I could it. not all do all the gags that Stu does in it but <laughs> it is just gags. yeah it, it, it is <laughs> yeah I mean the first time I saw it I couldn't breathe I was laughing that hard mostly because I couldn't believe what he was saying and it was getting worse it, it once he'd been sick in his ass the first time, saying that's it, but to then pee it and then do it again, you yeah. just couldn't believe it, you know. And I think he's he's possibly the bravest comedian out there. I think. Yeah, and he's and he's stuck to his guns. Yeah. And um, I was listening to um, Mark Maron interview. you know that comedian. Yes, genius, clever. Um, wordplay his name escapes me but um, 
he mentioned what comedians do you like from Bear Britain, like, and he said, "Oh, Stuart Lee." And Mark Maron said, "He's changed my life." That guy, Stuart Lee, changed Mark Maron's life because he stuck to his guns. He didn't pander to anybody. Maybe that, yeah. Then that's that's kind of yeah. Using that's I mean that that how horrific that story sounds. <laughs> that the actual intent behind it is is quite harmless. By it's, saying that freedom of speech, it's like is yeah, null. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, you know, I, I do this as kind of like a, a, as a as a service to you all in order to get it through your heads. Almost, maybe he is. There's a lot of double meaning there. He is doing the sacrifice that he thought Jesus would do for him. Yeah, and that well, is his sacrifice. He does this really good That's gag it. in it where he's like saying Quite that literally. Jesus is saying, yeah. So Jesus is like helping him home, and he said, "Look, I, I want to apologize. You know, people have been bad to you, Stu. Um, my representatives on Earth have been bad, but you might remember that two thousand years ago there was a, another man who uh, rised against the establishment, and maybe you're uh, the rightful owner of his crown." And then he's like saying, "I'm not saying I'm Jesus. That's ridiculous. That's for you to think about when you get home." But it's a good parallel to make because Christ was against the establishment and what she was doing was against the establishment he was doing basically what Christ would have done so it's a nice little um... yeah yeah and I think that yeah it's if you separate the actual offensiveness from the actual intent and the actual code that's behind it there Mm. is a code and a function there is a design behind it it's actually very very clever he's an incredibly clever man incredibly clever man but it's amazing what um, creating such a visual image can do mm. to incite such hysteria and anger and and and, and, and sickness in people. I mean, there, I bet there are still people in the audience who do, who were not happy with that half hour either. Um, well, it was great because the it was filmed in um, Cardiff, I yeah. think, and you could tell half the audience struggled, just like looking at him. But he seemed to prefer that. Because what he's cause what he's got now, now he's built a following, and people are coming to him. He's playing bigger venues. He said he sort of had to adapt his character. Of um, he's a bit pissed off because he's famous, and he he, he panders to he's he's like doing stand up to like half of the audience because the other half have just been brought by friends. So he's saying, "I'm going to say this, but you're not going to understand that." But when your friend laughs, you can laugh, and. It's just an amazing way where he can he can sort of insult his audience with a, it being just incredibly funny and brilliant and yeah and and he's he is breaking grounds and that's you know you've been, I've only kind of touched upon him <laughs> sounds very wrong <laughs> um, come across him no you know what I keep on having this problem where I sound like I am doing horrific things to to these uh, these famous people. Um, you, you don't want to come over old Bernard Manning oh that'd be awful <laughs> you introduced him to me uh, probably not even half a year ago maybe and mm. I'm just just kind of just working into his, his routines and he, he does remind me a lot of Bill Hicks um, in, in the way that he he's able to just not worry about how he's doing the material and how he's actually putting the material across He's willing to just lie down on the ground and just 
carry on. Sort of. Where he Bill doesn't, Hicks... He doesn't need to rely so much on the audience to, to kind of guide his material. He's already decided what he's no. going to say. Yeah. Uh, where Hicks, what you saw on stage was Bill Hicks. Yeah. What you see on stage with Stuart Lee is... Stuart Lee, the character, still the character, not the person yeah. he is. Got you. Okay, so he's more built which, into that. Yeah, of... where you saw this is what Marin Marin said about him, which she thought was amazing. Where if the audience aren't laughing, it's their fault for not being clever enough to keep up with what he's saying. Yeah, as opposed to they're not laughing because I'm rubbish. Got you. And that is, um, I think, an amazing way to be able to deal with that. How does that apply to us doing stand up? <laughs> It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> how do we? How do we crack that egg? I mean, that that's. Uh, but I think that that's that's the thing. It's it's, it's you. Yeah, you've got to hurt. You've got to really. Fight. You've got to really get the um, the bruises. It's like you can't just go and play rugby. You gotta you gotta earn those injuries. First. Well, that's it. We'll do. St- there's plenty of people out there. Probably just go. Oh, I'm gonna try stand up and try it, yeah. and they might get a few laughs, might not. But it's the yeah, you got to take the knocks to really be good at anything. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's you know it takes years to kind of get there, and I, you can see there's a lot of young comedians these days that the the beauty is is that comedians tend to learn their craft by watching other comedians. Mm. That that to me is is a, a fundamental truth. They look on each other to kind of figure out how did they do that. And there seems to be a lot of engineering involved nowadays as to how they actually come across to the audience, how they work their material. And it's not easy. It's still not easy, though. I mean, you've got that um, that young lad with the spiky hair. What's his name? Jack Whitehall. There you go. Right. And he seem, he still seems so young. And yet, you know, he, I, I, I just find it amazing that he actually has the chops to do it. Russell Howard as well. I think both of them. I mean, they're 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 still they're still young, mm. and they're still kind of like trying to fix, find their feet. I find, but I'm waiting for them to break and to become yeah, something like, different. Like I'm waiting for them to become something different. Like I've seen a lot of Jack Whitehall stand up, and I'm not sure if it's entirely written by him. I think there's a team of writers that help him. Oh, you see, that disappoints me even. More. But that being said, I've seen him. Have you ever watched? Um, um, eight out of ten cats does countdown. He was on that, and he was incredibly quick. Right, he's got it. He's got it. Yeah, but it, uh, maybe that's that's the one thing that I've noticed that these days. I mean, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning before Stuart Lee. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> <Can> hell. <laughs> when you get up on stage, do you stand up? You go right. Do you remember? Um, do you know what? It'll be me um, doing lists of one thing. <laughs> I got a list of things. <laughs> Shall I just be that kind I of I was abducted to my aliens last week, and you don't appreciate me. <laughs> Let's go before Stuart Lee. Before I mean, I mean the 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 way that things are done now. I mean, comedy is changing a lot. It's changing a lot because of of how it's being used. Stand up comedy is not just stand up comedy anymore. It's televised comedy. Mm. There's there's Lively game shows, yeah. Like I mean, it's well, yeah. There's a lot of those. Stand up is televised, pretty much. I th- again, I think that's now. why I'm such a big fan of Stu because he doesn't, he wouldn't fit in that. He wouldn't be able to go up and do five minutes material no. and do somebody else because his is long narrative. Yeah, 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 and then he supports that kind of 
that mentality where it he doesn't fit I mean, and that's a great thing to have because you know that he um you know that when they do these shows at the Apollo and they have these 15 minute sets uh, I mean I don't know don't know if Stuart Lee's done um, Late Show in America or any of those I don't think so I don't think he'd be interested in it exactly but I never thought that Bill Hicks would and his his show was actually taken out yeah of Letterman, of Letterman because of, of what they thought was controversial at the time um, but it, it's it's funny because he, he he didn't fit at the time but now he would probably fit mm. because of the new generation of, of televised uh, comedians well, there was, in the 70s wasn't there there was a new yeah. wave of comedy yeah you know that hits and it came with like the young ones and things like that there was a sort of anarchy about Tele- it. television anarchy but it came from te- it stems from television and then the influences come from television like well um, I think a lot of them were stand-ups who did television like Alexis Sale he was yeah. a stand-up for, first and foremost but he was in the young ones yeah yeah you know and the same, the same with with uh, Rick Mail, Adrian Emerson. I mean, they just stuck to television. Unfortunately, well, well they did. They did theatres, didn't they? They they, they do yeah. bottom but bottom on live and yeah. things like that. Which which is... I think at university they did that together. Yeah, they were people who perform like sketches and sketches, pieces, yeah. which is tailor made to translate yeah. to TV. You know. So you you've got that avenue, but then you've got the direct uh, cabaret. Artists, the ones that pe- that 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 come to mind, the the biggest influences of the current, I mean, the, the Jimmy Carr generation we're talking about. Right. Um, you're looking at Dave Allen. Dave Allen, that's it. Dave Allen. There he is. Bingo! Found him. Yeah. And he he was kind of like this guy who did monologues sitting down. I went to a school uh, in a little village called Rathfarnham in County Dublin. My first day at school. This convent, long winding driveway up to it. One of those gothic doors, great studs in it. I rang the bell and opened. And there's one of these nuns, flapping. <laughs> terrifying, terrifying. Three and a half, four years of age, terrifying. What do you want, little boy? Mummy. My mummy and daddy said, I've got to come here. Yes? Well, if you come here, you've got to be a good little boy. Will you be a good little boy? And I could see past her. There's a fellow nailed to a cross. <laughs> I thought you're bloody right, I'll be a good little boy. First question they ask, what do you know about God? I don't know anything about God. Who? God! Who's God? God? You do not know who God is? Sister? Sister, we have an atheist here. <laughs> Let me tell you, little boy. God is, God was, and God always will be. One. <laughs> what he is? What is that? <laughs> he is the Father, he is the Son, he is the Holy Ghost. He is three and one. Do you understand? I'm four years of age. Why wouldn't I? The greatest theological question in the world. Three people and one. And I'm naturally, yeah. Where is he? He is here. Well, I can't see him. That doesn't mean because you can't see him that he's not here. It doesn't. 
He's in the cupboard. He's not in the cupboard. God doesn't go into cupboards. He's under the stairs. He's not under the stairs. He's here with us now. He's upstairs, he's downstairs, he's outside, he's inside, he's everywhere. I think he's a big one. Why can't I see it? I'm asked, do you love him? Do you love him? I don't know, I've never seen him. God loves you. And he wants your love. But if you do not give him your love, he will cast you into everlasting flame. <laughs> he will cast you into everlasting flame. Have you ever burnt yourself? Yeah, I burnt myself on, on the candle. What was it like? Oh, very sad. Sore. Can you imagine that pain all over your body? That's what will happen to you if you do not love God. What do you think of that? I love him. I, I love him. Then I, was, I asked, who was the fellow on the cross? Jesus. Who's Jesus? He's the son of God. I've told you. Father, the son, and Holy Ghost. He's the son of God. <laughs> he was born on Christmas Day and died on Easter. I didn't think he didn't hang around, did he? <laughs> What happened to him? He died because of you. <laughs> Christ died on the cross because of your sins. When, when was this? It was 2,000 years ago. They can't blame me. I'm only four for Christ. I didn't do nothing. Did he have a daddy? Of course he had a daddy. I've told you he had a daddy. God was his daddy. Did he have a mummy? Yes, he had a mummy. Mary was his mummy. So God was married to Mary. No, God was not married to Mary. Mary was married to Joseph. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. And uh, he was... Um, <clears throat> I think he was on Irish television first and foremost, and uh, then they kind of... He was more popular in the seventies, and mm. uh, um, but yeah, a lot of people attribute to their you know their influences from him. Um, I don't know how Bernard, how far Bernard Manning has taken his influences, and if he actually influenced people, maybe influenced bravery, um, not so much the, uh, ignorance. the ignorance or stability or racism, because this is way you've got this kind of like uh, group of people who only do shows they they used to do videos and do i think they still do dvds but they were not popular enough to go on to television they weren't successful enough to go on to television there's but, people that like bernard man and roy chubby brown you don't want them to go on to tv roy chubby brown and but the, the, the he did thing a film is, he oh gosh was it the rocket the big rocket riding a straddling a rocket or something I, can't, I know I think it was set in Blackpool because there was this awful bit where uh, this woman's got like a big cast on her leg yes she's in a wheelchair that? and yeah. she's like oh Mr Brown will you sign that so he signs it he goes you know what everyone says he's such a nasty guy but he's, he's really nice and he comes back and goes oh by the way you've got a nasty crack at the top of your legs and then walks off and I don't find shit like that funny yeah 
it isn't funny. Um, and I've seen that clip as well. And I, I was, he came to Manchester um, a couple of months ago, and I thought I was thinking about getting the. Uh, this was before Frame of Frame. I wanted to get over and out, back out again. Right. And, and I thought, well, how about interviewing comedians? You know, that's been that hasn't been done. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, yeah, let's do that. Let's. Uh, and Roy Chubby Brown, I thought, well, I, wouldn't it be interesting to interview him and find out if I can actually, because I can't stand, I find him detestable, I find him creepy, and and. but there are people that I know who would go and watch his show and find him hilarious. Yeah, well, me too. A lot of my family would probably enjoy it. And it's, it's but it's not clever. It's not built on any anything but the fact that he's just being vile and and and, and crass, um, and and that's that's the fine line between the two things. There is a fine line. There's one thing I laughed at Chubby Brown. One right. thing he did, and he was sat at a piano, and he said, um, "I'm going to play a song for you now. It's uh, from the musical Oliver." Um, and he said, and it was all quiet. He goes, "Now the beautiful music of Oliver." He sits at the piano, and he goes. Fuck off, you greedy bastard! And I thought I was—it subverted what I thought he was going to do. So I thought that was quite funny, but the rest of it was just vile, awful, sexist, yeah. racist shit. Yeah, and it, it's and yet yeah, people. But there's there's a mechanic. There's a, there's a mechanic. The, the mechanics of of his show is that he can just drop all these different words and it makes people laugh and that that fundamentally there's there's there are people out there who, who that is just enough i mean i i sometimes when i'm at work i'm not i i, I say stuff yeah. that isn't funny and that people are in hysterics because because i'm saying it or right. it's like uh, you know and I, I i find it very odd that so to certain people it's it's the actual face um, it's not the words. The words don't mean anything. It's it's who the who is delivering the system, and it's it's and the words just simply are the the, the triggers that get you into hysterics. It, and nobody can probably remember anything that he actually says. They just know that they were laughing and they found it hysterical. Yeah, and the, there's no message. You know, we talked about bad films. Yeah, and you need to have a lot of people to enjoy it. Yes. You can imagine one person sitting in front of a TV watching a DVD of him in hysterics. But if you're with all your mates getting pissed watching someone be vile on stage, you can imagine getting caught up in it and finding it funny. Possibly. or I, I still wouldn't. I'd be the one guy sat there. Getting angry. Yeah, honestly. That's why I'd get beat up in a football game because everyone's cheering. I'd just be sat there thinking, why is anybody watching this? Exactly, yeah. You, you, that pitch invasion of, of Aston Villa this week, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be the one who didn't. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just sat in the chair thinking what's going on. And then everybody would turn around and look at me. And then that, that's it. They just they just rip me apart. Yeah. Uh, and that's like that's the kind of thing. That's why we don't go to those venues. That's why we have that. It, it is a standard. Is there is a ladder of grade of different comedians. And, and I don't I don't know if this is me being ignorant, but football hooligans and Roy Chubby Brown fans are the same people to me. Mm. And neither neither was. I mean, Stuart Lee would go over their heads. Oh well, that's it. He, he would I, be I, he would I, be offensive. Stuart Lee would be offensive to Roy Chubby Brown audiences. They just wouldn't. They'd be like, "Why is this man? What's he saying? What's he talking about Jesus's bum for?" Yeah, it wouldn't even be that. He'd be talking about religion. He's been doing, um, yeah, because Jam Moyer uh, said that there's not enough anti-Islamic stand-up, <laughs> so he does this routine 
which she says his auntie is like, it's not at all, it's anything but. Anyway, that's enough making fun of America and the West. It's time now to mock Islam and to ridicule individual Muslims. <laughs> People are very keen on that now. In comedy, there was a big piece in uh, the Daily Mail in December by Jan Moyer saying there's not enough anti-Islamic stand-up in Britain at the moment. Of course, they're very keen on balance at the Daily Mail. It's been a, <laughs> a watchword of the paper going way back to the 1930s. I know, it's a good joke, no one gets it. So, but it's, a, it's an occupational hazard of stand-up now. If you do a joke about anything, and you don't immediately follow it up with a joke about Islam. People go, oh, what's wrong with you? Uh, these are the kind of, uh, kind of emails you get, this sort of thing. Uh, Dear BBC, I enjoyed Stuart Lee's making fun of Chris Moyles on TV last night, and I look forward to him mocking the Prophet Muhammad in the same way next week. <laughs> Yours, Norris McWhorter. <laughs> Nuremberg. <laughs> Another one here. Dear BBC, I enjoyed watching Stuart Lee making jokes about crisps last night. <laughs> but I doubt we will be seeing him having a go at any Muslim snacks in the near future. <laughs> On the politically correct BBC, it appears there's one law for crisps. <laughs> Quite another for those mini poppadom things that they sell <laughs> in Marks and Spencers. <laughs> Yours, Norris McWhorter. <laughs> Argentina, yeah. Well, it's a later postmark. So, um, I know, I don't get it. It's time. <laughs> so, time to uh, ridicule a Muslim now, in accordance with the Daily Mail's demands. And the Muslim we're going to be ridiculing tonight is called Muhammad Al-Kabaisi. He's from Dubai, and he's one of the top Muslim guys out there. And, uh, yeah, people down there laughing at that. As well they should, because, of course, uh, in Islam, there is no pyramid power structure. Uh, it's a succession of imams, uh, imams all with equal, equal power. So uh, the idea of a top... Muslims. Uh, uh, now, uh, anyway, this is what he said, Muhammad al kabaisi about bin Laden being buried at sea. He said, they can say they buried him at sea, but they cannot say they did it according to Islam. Sea burials are permissible for Muslims in extraordinary circumstances only, and this is not one of them. <laughs> I've got three um, anti-Islamic one-liners now, but I'm... Um, Open to sell on to Roy Chubby Brown. <laughs> Here they are. Hey, you know where one in two kids born in Britain today is called Mohammed, and that's just the girls. I've not got the exact figures. <laughs> Do you know one in two Islamic hate preachers in Britain today has got hook for his hands and a bad? I've done no research. <laughs> No, one in two people claiming to be a spokesperson for the entire British Muslim community is in fact the unelected leader of a non-democratic special interest fringe group given ideas above its station by a misguided new Labour community bridge building initiative. <laughs> Some laughs, a lot of people going, what was that? What was that supposed to be? <laughs> Tell you what that was, my coming era friends. That was, uh, 
That was the best joke about Islam in Britain anyone's ever done. That's what that was. <laughs> it was even-handed, it was informed. It's what you say you want, isn't it? You go, do stuff about Islam. I just did. <laughs> Not like that, Stu. <laughs> Not where you have to know anything. <laughs> when we said do stuff about Islam, we meant make fun of their hats. <laughs> But he subverts it so well. But they'd hate that. But Roy Chubby Brown attacking a load of Muslims, they'd love it. That's it. You know what I mean? They would. And it's easy. Yeah. And it, it... What the hell? That was a heavy thud.